Piece of Hope podcast. Conversations, stories, advice from the autism community for the autism community. Welcome back to another episode of Piece of Hope podcast. Um, today, Emma is away, so I am going to be the host, and I have with me Miss Nicole, and she's going to be my co-host. Hey! And today's guest is actually an RBT of Apple Seeds. Mr. Malachi. Hello. And he's going to be here to continue our sibling series. Um, He actually has a brother that has autism. So we're going to talk to him about kind of his journey and his family and his hobbies and everything in between. So shall we get started? Yes. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Malachi has been at Appleseeds about two years now. And he is an RBT, and everybody loves him. The kids love him. The parents love him. Literally everybody that meets him loves him. His energy is probably, I don't, I would maybe say unmatched. Is there anybody (laughs) in the world that matches energy? Not gonna lie. (laughs) Um, So obviously with, you know, kind of this career path that you've chosen, how did having a brother that has a diagnosis of autism kind of not only lead you to this point, but keep you you know, in this profession, you have really rough days sometimes. So there's Mm got to be something behind it that pushes you. And I think I would imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, part of that obviously is, you know, your brother. Right. Um, Well, you know, it's really interesting. When I first started, I just needed uh, to do a senior project for school. And I didn't necessarily have any kind of like, I wouldn't say I had like a passion for working in the field or anything or working with people with autism at that point. Like, my brother was my brother, and, you know, my, my family life was my family life, and then there was what I wanted to do with my life, right? Right. Um, but I will say that once I started and I really saw all these kids who at that age had, you know, similar symptoms to my brother, that kind of thing, they they were being helped, and, you know, they were gained to achieve functional communication and all these really cool things that my brother didn't really have access to. Um, so I definitely say having a sibling with autism has kept me in the field and really given me an interest in helping people. Your brother's older, so mm-hmm. when he was younger and around that time, um, when you guys got the autism diagnosis, were there services available? Did he, you know, did he get to have any services, or was it kind of scarce um, mm-hmm. in the area where you guys were? Right. So my parents in general never loved the idea of um, giving my brother a label. So when my mom first noticed, you know, symptoms of autism when he was like probably around like two or three years old, they didn't go to a psychologist or anything and go, hey, what's up with my kid? They kind of knew. They're like, yeah, he's got autism. Like he's, he's not talking. He's not responding to his name. He's got these social deficits. So obviously it's something on the spectrum. Um, when he was, I was probably nine, so I guess he was like five or six. We wanted they wanted to start speech with him. So at that point, they did go to a psychologist and ask him to give him an autism diagnosis so that we could get insurance coverage. Uh, after like a year of speech, he really didn't have any more services beyond that until he was 15 or 16, and he started ABA services. What kind of, um, I guess, was the catalyst to them wanting to get him ABA service? Was it just, it was more widely accepted and he had he had gotten older or you know were they just kind of like speech wasn't really giving the results mm-hmm. that they were looking for so they looked somewhere else no i think it was really um like they're again big focus on like we know what's up how do we help him uh and they really to a point 
thought they could be done mainly through like homeschooling, that kind of thing, taking him to church, socialization, whatever. And they did really well with it. Um, but as he like hit the teenage years, he also had generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, and a lot of problem behavior was cropping up with that as well. And so that was kind of the catalyst that kind of told him, okay, we got to we gotta take him to someone else. He needs that extra support to get through his situation. Um, and ABA services were really helpful in that. You have other siblings as well, correct? Yes. Um, how did you guys kind of, as a collective, because obviously being siblings, you guys are like a troop. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're there for each other, those kind of things. How did you guys as a collective kind of adjust to you know, that lifestyle change of him not only getting the diagnosis, but also getting ABA. Yeah. Um, so when he was younger, I remember the first time that my sister and I, our youngest brother, he's he's seven years younger than me, so he's like three or four years younger than my brother. So at that point, he wasn't really cognizant of things. He was a baby. Um, but I remember when my brother with autism, when he was five, we took him to school one day. And in the middle of the day, they called and were like, hey, you got to take him home. This isn't going to work. And I remember, like, that's the first time I remember seeing my mom cry in front of me. And, like, my sister and I were talking about it, and we're like, wow, that's, that's rough. Like, he can't go to school. That's really sad. Um, and so that was kind of when, I guess, we collectively, my sister and I anyways decided, you know, that we had to be there for my brother. Um, and then once ABA services started and stuff, I mean, I was in high school, she was in high school too. So and we had our own things going on. So we weren't we weren't so busy that, you know, the ABA lifestyle changes had to apply to us as much as our parents. It was more of a just, you know, come home and be nice to your brother. And that that was kind of it. Um, you know, I we'd ask him about his day, that kind of thing, get him to talk about it. But it wasn't like, you know, we were having tons of like problem behaviors occurring and we were having to try to follow along with the consequences of a behavior plan or anything like that even. What about your extended family? As far as extended family goes, I mean, we, we only saw our extended family, you know, once or twice a year. And it was really difficult for them to relate to him because like he's, he's since I remember, so since he was, you know, like in elementary years, he's always been very sociable, very into being around people. He just doesn't have those social cues. He doesn't get it necessarily. Um, he can be super touchy, and that can be awkward for some people. And so I think I think a lot of what my extended family does, and I think this, is hap- this happens a lot in general, is they just kind of ignored him. You know, it was kind of like, we're just going to pretend he's not there, and then we don't have to face something that makes us uncomfortable. Um, which obviously wasn't, you know, great for him. It made everyone feel kind of awkward and he had a lot of tension um, because it's like there's an elephant in the room and he has a name and you're not saying his name, you know? Yeah. Did that ever make you angry? Did you ever confront someone about that? I never confronted anyone about it. I know when I was younger, so when I was like 8 to 10, like I w- it was like an embarrassment thing, you know? You're mm-hmm. like, man, this is really weird and uncomfortable. Um, and then past that, like even in like recent years, I'll like be standing over there by him, talking to him, trying to like walk him through appropriate ways to interact with people, that kind of thing. Um, I remember when I was like, I guess I was 13, so he was probably 10. I remember I was trying to teach him how to like greet people appropriately. So I'd be like, hey man, just say like, what's up guys? Instead of like just going and bear hugging someone, um, that kind of thing. Um, so I guess I always had a little bit of a therapist in me. but <laughs> I know that we 
if you listen to last week's episode, or actually two weeks ago mm-hmm. when Nicole was on, we had asked her, um, was there ever a moment with like your friends or anything where you had to be like, whoa, mm-hmm. I can pick on him and I yeah. can do things with him mm-hmm. because he's my brother, but you can't do that. Did you ever have a moment, um, maybe not with like close friends, but just like school or anybody yeah, or church, where you kind maybe. of like, you turned into that protective older brother that was like, look, cool mm-hmm. it. Well, you know, it's actually really interesting. Uh, pretty much all the friends I've ever made that were that were close enough to be around me and my family are actually have actually been really cool for him and really great with him. Most of them are older than him. They're like three or four years older, so they definitely, they're like, oh, he's Malachi's brother. Like, we got to take care of him too, you know? So I haven't really had any issues like that. Now, I've definitely had moments with, like, strangers in public like maybe you're at church and he's kicking the back of the seat or he's being really loud you know during the service and they're giving you looks and that's where you you know i just stare right back at him scowl a little (laughs) um but yeah as far as like closer friends and family that kind of thing they're pretty pretty decent at least you know even if they don't understand they're not gonna make him feel unwelcome yeah so a lot of people probably everybody listening to this doesn't know your hobbies or anything like that obviously we know you and we know that we're, you're mm-hmm. big into dance and music and basically like anything that has to do with art mm-hmm. um so my question would be did that ever form out of just needing something that was just for you and a hobby and things like that how did that kind of play into the whole journey of finding out that your brother had a diagnosis mm-hmm. um i would definitely say it played a big role i had a lot of moments where i just I felt like, you know, I had to be there for him and help him because it's like he didn't have any close friends his age. Like, I would be sick and tired of hanging out with my parents 24 hours a day. You know, I love them, but that that's a lot. Um, so I really felt like I had to be there for him whenever I wasn't at school. Um, and there was a year where for dance I was homeschooled, but also, like, when I was home I was, you know, trying to hang out with him, that kind of thing. Um, so really dance and music have been a real yeah a real escape for me you know and a real way to express how I feel about everything in general especially I would say as a sibling of someone with autism it's really easy to feel like it's all about them you know because they do require that extra support extra help and it's like well you know if my parents are too busy to hear what I'm feeling like you know I'll make a song about it or I'll make a dance about it that kind of thing yeah what would you say to those siblings out there that are feeling kind of, I don't want to use the word trapped, but where they don't really know what the good outlet would be. Cause I'm mm-hmm. sure that, and we've heard a ton of stories from people that have siblings where they, they have that same concern as they feel like they don't want to bother their parents mm-hmm. with their problems because mm-hmm. they have other things. So what would you say for those siblings that are looking for that outlet? I mean, I definitely think the one thing that's helped me in the past few years since since my brother had started and ended services, I guess two years ago now, um, has been really pouring that frustration into just, you know, trying to help him out with stuff and be his friend. Um, so I think if you're an older sibling, I mean, obviously it's different when they're young, when you're younger, but if you're an older sibling, you know, you're in your teenage years, you're a young adult, like you can be there and be their best friend because he may not have one, you know? Um, so that's one thing. I'd say make make them an outlet and try to try to look at things in perspective because it's a hard thing to find, but once you find perspective, it really lights up your life. 
How do you think having a sibling with autism has shaped your view of the world? I'm definitely a lot less quick to judge, and I'm pretty sure you said that in your podcast. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. instantly, like... I believe her exact words (laughs) were, if you don't know, you don't know, and keep it moving. Yeah, mind your business. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, mind your business. Um, There there have been several times where since since forever that I've like you know seen a kid acting up in a store or something like that and I'm like man that's rough but like I'm not gonna judge like Mm -hmm. their parents are probably doing the best they can you know that kind of thing um it's definitely made me a lot more open to people who are different from me you know I think when you see someone close to you like trying to interact and communicate with people and you can't do it as easily as you can you really start to think okay well somebody if he if he were trying to interact with me how how would I want me to respond you know what I'm saying how would I want someone else to respond to my brother and so I think of that when I'm just going through my daily life Mm -hmm. um anyone regardless whether it's like um different abilities or just they they come from a different background than me whatever you know how has being an RBT maybe I guess transformed would be a good word but like has it changed anything about the dynamic between you and your brother like mm-hmm. at home you know when you're not an RBT and you're not in this role you're kind of like you don't know what you don't know but mm-hmm. then once you are an RBT and you learn all these different mm-hmm. things you know has that changed at all the mm-hmm. relationship that you and your brother have outside of work and outside of you being an RBT mm-hmm. I definitely don't get annoyed with him as much. <laughs> I really don't because I, I'm able to look at it. I'm able to back myself up and go, okay, he's just trying his best. He's right. doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, really learning more in general just about things like OCD where he has these ritualistic behaviors that you know, he feels like he has to do. Um, one example, he'll go and he'll lock all the doors in our house, which is really frustrating when you're trying to get in the bathroom right. at like midnight. <laughs> um, and like I think a couple of years ago, I would have like flipped my yeah. lid at some point. But at this point, I'm like, okay, this stinks. Let me find a hanger and unlock the bathroom. Right. You know, it's whatever. Um, so I definitely think I get less annoyed with him. I really do make more of an effort now to just give him that social interaction because, like, right now he's homeschooled. He doesn't go to school or anything. He um, he doesn't really get any socialization with kids his age. So I'm like. I'm like his best friend right now, you know, and so I really try to take that extra effort and make sure he has someone to talk to that's not just mom, right? you know. So as you know, I also have a brother with autism that is getting older, and I've found that as he gets older and those milestones that most kids and then adults make and he's not getting them, it kind of stresses me out and I internalize that in it. Mm -hmm. It brings me, um, like, fear. Do you ever feel that as he's getting older? I'd say so, um, especially because of where he is developmentally as far as mm-hmm. communicating with others, that kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm starting, I'm having to start thinking about things like, what if my mom and dad were gone? You yeah. know, like, am, am I going to have to take care of him? Is he going to mm-hmm. be able to take care of himself? That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely a hard thing to think about. But on that same note, I also know there are tons of services available, and I'm really hopeful mm-hmm. that he can, you know, get that, uh, get the services and support he needs to develop those, you know, adaptive living skills and functional communication skills he needs to live out in the real world, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember last time we had Nicole mm-hmm. on and she was talking about um, going to college and mm-hmm. how people would ask her, you know, oh, have you applied for college? And then 
they would ask her brother like what are you gonna do and she was like you can ask me that but like you know there's Mm -hmm. more appropriate ways to ask those questions yeah um is there ever a moment or i guess anything specifically that stands out to you at a point where you were like somebody asked a question or asked your brother a question you were like man i really wish either you hadn't have asked Mm -hmm. that or you had asked it a different way Mm -hmm. you know it's funny i think i'd say the opposite has actually been more true where people don't expect Mm. yeah anything of him yeah um especially just where he is as far as speech have you you haven't met my brother have you Nicole? Mm -mm. um just as far as like when you, when you talk to him, you're talking in the speech. You're like, oh yeah, he's obviously yeah. Um, not developmentally where he needs to be. That kind of thing. And so I feel like a lot of people just go, okay, well, there's nothing to expect from so him. So they just I don't much, ask him yeah, anything. Yeah, and I would much rather them give him more yeah. interaction and be mm-hmm. like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know that kind yeah. of thing. Because I feel like that was a common question for me, but I don't feel like he's ever really been mm-hmm. asked that. You wish that they would have the same standard yeah. for him as everybody. Yeah, and yeah. then we can, you know, and then we can work from yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think that's a tough line, too, because assumption goes both ways. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I think between you and Nicole, it was very different spectrums of the assumption, yeah. but it was still that. Same feeling. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the saying where they, I mean, instead of autism awareness, autism acceptance, because it's more of just being accepting of those things and treating mm-hmm. everybody as a human. Both of you have very similar stories from very different spectrums, but it's mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day, your brother, he's just... Uh, how old is he? 16. He's just a 16-year-old mm. kid. How old's your brother? He's, tw- oh, shoot, 21. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, he's go. just a 21. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, you have a 16-year-old brother and you have a 21-year-old mm-hmm. brother, yeah. regardless of what the diagnosis is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that you both had almost the same interaction. They were just mm-hmm. completely opposite ends of yeah. the spectrum. Yeah, and I think one big principle, if you can agree with this, is that whenever I meet someone, I meet them where they're at no like I Mm -hmm. whenever I'm meeting someone for the first time I'm just trying to gauge like where are they at let me meet them where they are and try to talk to them how they need to be yeah I like that no yeah Yeah. that makes that makes total Mm -hmm. sense I like that so like in my podcast I had mentioned how I think you're one of my first friends that has a sibling with autism and I think that's why Mm -hmm. we get along so well because we have similar personalities because of that upbringing um did you ever meet someone like when was the first time you had met someone that could really click with you i know your siblings obviously mm-hmm. had the same experience but someone yeah. outside of your family it's really interesting i've actually met two people who um who had siblings with different abilities that kind of thing mm-hmm. and i ended up like i ended up interacting with the siblings as much as the friend mm-hmm. um mainly because I knew what it was like for my brother, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I would say that I feel like the way I handle it versus the people I've met handle it is different. Um, I think that, like, I definitely don't hear about their siblings at all outside mm-hmm. of when I go to their house and I see them, yeah. that kind of thing, um, which I can totally understand and, you know, it relates to what I was talking about with my extended family when yeah, you, know, you, you just, just kind of ignore it. About you, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that I feel I feel that my experience has equipped me to be a friend to everybody. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And I think that's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see um, for your brother as he gets older? Like, what are kind of your 
I guess, not really goals, but like, what are you, you know, aspiring to hope Mm -hmm. for your brother as he gets older and as he continues through life? I mean, I definitely think throughout this journey, it's been trying to get to where he should have been versus meeting him where he's at. So like, you know, if if he was behind in school for a few years, starting over where he was in school and trying to build from there, I would really like to see, I, I want him to be met where he's at. I want to find what he's capable of now. Like, I would love to get to the point where, you know, he can get a job, even if it's something like, you know, bagging groceries or something. Um, I would love to see him, you know, have some friends, that kind of thing. Maybe he doesn't have to go to a traditional school setting or school route, um, but he'd be able to, you know, live a purposeful life because that's that's what everyone deserves. You know, I want to see that for my brother. Did you ever, like, feel like, I wish I would have done more or I wish I would have done something differently? I feel like that's with anything in life is, like, you know, you look back and you're like, man, if I had done X, Y, Z, or like, if I hadn't have done this, like, mm-hmm. oh, it might be different. Do you ever right. feel or have a moment that you have felt that way? I definitely wish that I hadn't been so mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like as teenage years, you know, things like problem behavior got a lot worse. I remember it was just like, this is just my brother being, being a butt, you know? Right. I wish I really looked at it as, he's doing his best to communicate what he's mm-hmm. wanting and we're not we're not responding in a way that's you know helping him so it's not his fault you know so i do wish i'd been more understanding i think overall and i am more understanding now because even yeah. when i see that kind of thing now i'm like oh yeah all right well thank you guys for listening to another episode be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and be sure to check out all of the other podcasts Um, that we've done we have some really great ones and we have some incredible ones lined up coming next month we want to say thank you to nicole for being my co-host again of course and thank you to mr malachi for sharing his story always (laughs) and we'll see you next time bye bye Bye. (laughs) thanks for listening to a piece of hope podcast to learn more about piece of hope or to donate to a piece of hope scholarship fund visit appleseasaba.com forward slash of hope. Join us next week for more stories, conversations, and advice from the autism community for the autism community.